much the same way that the jaw strings and cycle screeches have become completely synonymous with the movies they come from, so this brassy little number means only one thing. Wallace and Gromit are in town. The man who composed it is Julian Knott and his music inevitably features prominently during my conversation with this week's guest, the one and only Nick Park. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, the film music podcast in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Nick's bagged a fair few of those in his time, not to mention four Oscars for his work at Ardman Animations. As well as National Treasures Wallace and Gromit, he and the studio have also brought us Creature Comforts, Shaun the Sheep, Chicken Run and now full-length feature Early Man. Starring Eddie Redmayne, Maisie Williams, Tom Hiddleston and Timothy Spall amongst many others, Early Man is a prehistoric underdog yarn fizzing with all the wit and charm we so associate with Nick's previous offerings. The score arrives courtesy of Harry Gregson-Williams and Tom Howe and there are also contemporary source cues by Kaiser Chiefs, New Hope Club and The Vamps. More on all these artists shortly but we begin with the film that first pricked Nick's interest in filmmaking. Nick Park, welcome to Soundtracking. It's an absolute uh, pleasure and congratulations on Early Man. Thanks very much. You just have this wonderful ability to create these fabulously memorable characters. Oh. Where did Early Man start from? Where did the, What was the idea for you? Oh gosh, well it started a few years back now. You know, a lot of the ideas for me uh, and Ardman, we start sketching in sketchbooks, yeah. you know, they start with simple doodles and develop from there really, working with writer Mark Burton. I've always loved the idea of cave men and cave women since being a little nipper, really. One of my favourite films was Ray Harryhausen's A Million Years BC. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I was 11. And, and I, <laughs> I, 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 was, I didn't notice Raquel Welsh. I was just into the dinosaurs. And, uh, <laughs> Secondary. The main focus was the dinosaurs. I love that. It was. Uh, and... <laughs> So uh, I think that's actually the movie that made me pick up a movie camera and want to make really? films. It was, yeah, because I collected dinosaurs and models of dinosaurs and uh, the idea of making a movie about them. I couldn't believe it and how was it done and, and I watched all, all the documentaries about Ray Harryhausen and, and yeah, yeah, it inspired me to pick up the home movie camera and start making films. <laughs> started filming your dinosaurs and that was the first thing that you started yeah, I, doing. Well I remember getting the family cine camera and like framing up on my models like on the shelf you know and, yeah. and thinking wow if I made a movie what would it be like. I remember entering a competition that ready break packet to win a, a cine camera and movie projector and I just started imagining all the films I would make. Wow. And, uh, Did and you win I, it? Uh, no uh -huh. I didn't. You had, you had to make like a zoetrope card disc 
Yeah. I didn't hear from them again, but <laughs> <laughs> I did do some. Uh, I had a go at some animation, and then uh, then I discovered that my my parents' home movie camera had a an animation button on it, a button that could take one picture at a time, oh, ra- wow. rather than continuous run. And that that got me going. I was I was already I loved drawing cartoons, so I just started you know flip books and stuff. Yeah. So I just started animating my own cartoons and as a hobby, it carried on as a hobby. Wow. You know, I was just saying to you that we've had Christmas recently and Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without some kind of Ardman being part of our, oh. our world. If they are on TV, do you watch them? Personally, I'm not always aware that they're on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're I'll, flicking through and they're on, will you stop and yeah, watch? Yeah, I, I do sometimes, actually. Yeah, I do. And it's usually not planned. It's because happened to be in, switch the TV on. Mm. Oh, oh, they're showing that again. Because I would never sit down and put our films on. I don't know why. It's, I think it's because you feel too close to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's only when you happen to catch them that you actually sit through them. And even that, I, with my own films, I, I feel, even though I admire everybody's work that went into it, I feel... Yeah. My personal sort of input, I feel very self-conscious about and I feel very self-critical. Yeah. There's some wonderful music themes through Wallace and Gromit. You hear that music and you instantly think of those characters. conversations that you've had with your composers because you've worked with a couple of different composers on, yes. on different films and stuff yeah I mean I, I always feel like the music is the side of it coming from a cartoon background and animation I'm very visual so I always feel the music is the area I know the least about so it's great to work with someone who really knows what they're doing and my real first experience and probably greatest experience is Julian Knott with the Wallace and Gromit films and yeah. um, we met at film school and oh, uh, wow. he volunteered to write the music and obviously Obviously, he's a great signature tune. It's incredibly well known now, and yeah. this is wonderful. well and and I think um, he really just followed the visuals and did what seemed appropriate and, and obviously he's a great tunesmith. Trousers. The picture was already edited and locked 
by the time he came on to it and he, he just did what it suggested really and yeah. we, we talked about Bernard Herrmann and Hitchcock and yeah. you know which I thought was, was very lovely and chilling and, and you know, very atmospheric. Yeah, well, it's that drama, isn't it? And, and the way that the music can kind of heighten that drama. And I, I know that you're just reading about you as a film fan and, and who's inspired you, the Ealing comedies I, I, I read and also Hitchcock. And those yes. are, are wonderful examples of, of what you managed to do with these films in terms of that comedy and that fun, but also that kind of that tension, and that thriller element mm, to yes. it as well. Have those been big influences on you? Yes, and, and I, I love the way you know, the music seems to help so much in the storytelling. It does half the job for you, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, it, and it kind of works in a often in a more subtle way than the visuals, and, yeah. uh, and a, it's through the back door, you know, and gives a tone to the movie and uh, almost uh, allows you or, or helps you know it's a comedy in a short film where. I guess the joke is we're, we're being like the movies, but we're not, the, you know, we're sort of like <laughs> yeah. an outsider's view. Julian's great at spoofing, and so, so uh, you mm. know, Julian's music has always worked wonderfully, um, and yes, and, and creating atmosphere, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, a comic tone or a, a serious tone or a mock, a mock serious tone. Yeah. I think that's it because, in, in, like, especially in uh, I choose wrong trousers because it's a better example. But I guess what's funny to me is that you know, it's a thriller, but it's a, you know a, a couple in a house in a terraced house and a strange lodger. It was like so many of those films I'd seen as a kid. Yeah. About the, the, the lodger, you know, and a bit like um, Lady Killers or the, yes, or, you know, yeah, exactly. You've got that comedy, but you've got the thriller element, and, and I guess it was harking back to those sorts of movies.
you know, we started watching films as a film fan. Were you aware of the music? Because a lot of the time when you're watching a film, mm. you don't really pay attention to it because it is so entwined within the yes. storytelling that mm. it's doing its job really subtly without you even really realising, I think, sometimes. Uh, and that's the point. Absolutely, yes. It, it's often the case. It's like editing, you know, really good editing. You you often don't you know, notice, as you say. Yeah. Same with music. It's kind of undercurrent often helping and supporting, but very, very useful at telling the story. I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed by how the music changes it once you put the music on. Yeah. You know, we edit very much to temporary tracks, and, and then the composer comes in usually quite late in the day. Just a little sting or a little discordant note or whatever, you know, can just change the meaning of a scene or the, the way a character looks or what a character's thinking. Yeah. I'm always quite impressed by how manipulative you can be. <laughs> 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 totally, yeah. it is. to mention Harry Gregson Williams. Yes, on, of course, yeah, for well, this one, on yeah. The music yeah. side, yeah. We met on um, Chicken, Chicken Run. Run. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Harry was brought on to Chicken Run by Hans Zimmer. He was wow. working under Hans Zimmer at DreamWorks at yeah. the time with John Powell. So, yeah, it's great to go back to Harry. He's written a, a superb yeah, score. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful and so heartwarming and lovely. And and, um, and we'll work with Tom Howe as well. And they, they've written a wonderful score. So pleased with it. similar case of how you work with Julian in that the film's done mm. and then they kind of come in and, and sprinkle their magic it's on the it. It's the same, yeah. We hadn't quite finished the film, we, we, you know, because we make the film in storyboard first yeah. and then we, we slowly fill it in with real shots yeah. and, and, and we'd, we'd got 90% of it done by the time Harry came on board and they, they look at it and they sketch up things that might work and Harry works from LA, so we did a lot of Skyping and sending music tracks back and forth and, and comments back and forth. Mm. And, but yeah, it came together pretty quickly in about five weeks or something like that.
ever go down to studios? I know that some of the stuff for the film's been done at Abbey Road and places mm. like that. Do you ever go down to watch those wonderful musicians create the scores? Yeah, it's, it's in a way it's one of the highlights. You know, <laughs> having having spent the last two years in dark studios yeah. with, with all the animators who are lovely in, in themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, but it's like suddenly a chance to get out and <laughs> and actually see the music being done because it's like an area outside of my. Mm control and working with the composer it's like a new world and uh, they're bringing all this extra stuff to the film of contemporary tracks as well you've got a brilliant reworking of the mud track tiger feet and mm. then i think there's the vamps have done a track mm. as well how do you come and form yeah. those decisions and decide oh, yes. on on using that type of stuff well like on in terms of the the songs in the film yeah um, i mean i'd always had this idea i guess because it's about a bunch of british cavemen playing football <laughs> playing football <laughs> there's always been a bit of a, um, a kind of a you know football crowd anthem type yeah. of feel to it plus I grew up in the 70s and the glam rock era and um, from the very conception of the film I've always wanted to use tiger feet I've always had the mud version on the temporary track and apparently because of the 70s it wasn't easy to mix with and we then looked for somebody to do a, a cover of it yeah and, yeah and New Hope Club did a cover a wonderful cover of it yeah uh, gives and, and gives the film great energy. All night long, yeah, you've been looking at me. Well, you know you're the dance hall cutie you long to be. Oh, well, now you've been laying it down. You got your hips swinging out of bounds. And I like the way you do what you're doing to me. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. I really love your <laughs> when they're all dancing, they're doing the actual dance yeah. that you kind of. I remember yes. watching my mum do it at yeah. family weddings and things That's like that. Right. Kind of everyone oh. in a circle, and it's brilliant. Yeah, we we did that whole uh, training sequence at Tiger Feet, and like you say, I don't know what you call it, belt dancing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's almost you're... like country dancing, but yes. but done to glam rock sort of thing. I don't know what the move is called, but yeah, it's Not your sure hands on your waist yeah. and sort of swinging yeah. to one the opposite and side. There's, and there's the thing that the girls always did in the disco, which was to do a like a four-step thing where you step round in a circle. The guy from the shadows, the guitarist from the shadows, oh. Hank Marvin. Marvin, yeah. He used to do that playing his guitar. I remember oh. my dad. He had a little melody in one of his songs that went do 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 do, and he would do do yeah. do. I remember my dad yeah. was like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> All right. those little touches, though. And we we worked that into the sequence, as you say, and and, and had cavemen doing those dances so we, we were locked in we had to use tiger feet in the end. but i like the idea of reintroducing that song to yeah. people as well it's an iconic song and it's an ageless i think as well that's right that's right 
That's right. That's right. We love your tag alive. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Really love your tag feet. I really love your tag feet. Oh well now you've been laying it down. You got your hips swinging out of bounds. Not like the way you do what you're doing to me. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I really love your tag alive. That's me. That's me. Great, yeah, to have the vamps. Yeah. Brad, you know, from the vamps, who was so helpful and came in and so last minute wrote a couple of songs for us. I was amazed how quickly he got it together and wrote the songs and produced them and performed them in a very short time. How did that work in terms of making sure that what he wrote had synergy with the film? We were right at the end of the edit and mixing and mm. they were just back from world tour and there was a very small window. Yeah. And they'd written something on tour for us, but we hadn't really had much conversation. And it, it was a great song, a really nice song, but it didn't really fit the movie. Yeah. So we said, oh, you know, really love it, but it can't, it doesn't really quite fit the movie yeah. and the theme of the movie. And so he very quickly wrote another one. Oh. <laughs> and, and it was great. And, and it really fits with the first training sequence. And, and it gives a, a, a very, uh, you know, a, a much needed energy at that point in mm. the movie. And uh, gives it a sort of, a, you know, more youthful vibe as well, which I think we're looking for. Do you feel it on the breeze? It's a whisper in your ear just to let you know that you can be it if you're defeated. I'll be waiting underneath to catch you when you fall. such an important part but also the voices you use such fantastic actors through all your work and in this one in particular a wonderful collection Richard oh, Ayoade and Gina yes. Yeshue and people like that yeah, as well and yeah. Johnny Vegas and Tim Spall who I absolutely adore oh, yeah. but then creating those main characters is that a collaborative thing that you work with the actors on finding Yes. You know, Doug's voice yes. and, and your villain's voice. and Yes, we do. We work together a lot. And it's wonderful to have such a top lineup of, of British talent. It really is. Mm. I can't believe it. And I can't believe that I can phone up and people are willing. You know, that's testament to how much people mm. adore what you do. Oh. You know, and you, if you made a list of those actors that have worked across 
your films, people like Helena Bonham Carter and Ray mm. Fiennes, and you know, I hope you feel yes, I, I proud feel, of that. I do feel very proud. It's nice that people pick up the phone, and um, the nice thing about animation is that you know, we can get them when they're free, you know, from other projects. Yeah. At the point at which we get the actors on board at first, often the script is in an earlier stage as well, so we haven't completely decided on exactly who the characters are. Even with Eddie and, and Doug, you know, when we first recorded, Doug was a far more unconfident and shy kind of character. Yeah. Because that's what I felt sort of was right and mm -hmm. attracted to. But then how could that guy make a challenge in, in a big stadium against the Bronze World, in the Bronze Age world? Um, it's not the same character, so we, we thought, oh no. So we slowly found that he was a more of a, just a naive optimist, really. Yeah. But it's funny how what you end up with seems obvious. You Like you say, it takes different forms. Yeah, and you have to get with the actors and try them out and see how it goes. And, and then they, they're so obliging and, and so happy to do whatever. And I love working with the actors in the recording booth. Yeah trying stuff out and they've been really great sports each one of them in a way I think it's really difficult because you haven't got a costume you haven't got a set you, you've nothing to react to yeah you've got just got a microphone and your imagination and the imagination and so you know we do lots of takes and, mm. and, and I love that being able to choose Fine. afterwards <laughs> yeah brilliant <laughs> right gab around grab a spear Oh, it's pointy. Oh, Trebor, just get over there. Oh, Mum. Morning, Barry. Morning, Doug. Mr. Rock coming hunting today? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Morning, Osbo. Change your underpants today? Yeah, changed them with Thongo, Chief. Champion. Mm. Chief? Yes, Gravel. Um, when I put my arm up, it, it hurts. Well, don't do it then. Grub up! Don't eat that. That's Emac. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Heads down, everyone. Thank you, Doug. <clears throat> we give thanks for our valley, our home, <laughs> this precious ground which sustains us and gives us shelter from the bad hands. May we live in peace, balance, and harmony with our forest and all the creatures we share it with. Right, let's go kill something. Yeah! You described being in dark rooms with the animators and things like that, and such an intense environment, I imagine, in terms of working to, to time frames and things. But is there ever music playing in that environment? Do you use music at all in that kind of creative? Um environment I have done in the past yeah because uh, I was directing on this I didn't have time to you know sit Keep around everyone happy, yeah. uh, while animate you yeah. know there was lots of animators working you know 35 animators working <sighs> for a year and a half on the film they've all got their headphones on I don't know what they're listening to <laughs> uh, but I know interesting I'm, to find out isn't yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> Wrong Trousers, I remember. I was one of the animators. So there was two of us, me and Steve Box, animating yeah. The Wrong Trousers. I was doing the really sad scene where Gromit leaves home, yeah. gets really sad and leaves home. He had tears in his eyes and to help me imbue him with the right sadness and sense of soul and everything, I, I was listening to uh, Neil Young, Four Strong Winds, just to help me make me feel sad, really. <laughs> and it, it did, actually. Think I'll go out. Weather's good there in the fall 
Handling the character every frame, yeah. which is every twelfth of a second. So you know, you're kind of putting your own sort of soul into the character. So it, it really uh, there's that contact you have, which is for me is the beauty of clay animation. Is you know, intimacy. Yeah, and it's very handmade and handcrafted. And that for me helped me, and I kept listening to it over and over again, <laughs> getting really depressed. And <laughs> Can you listen to it now? Really, I know I can't ever listen to it again. I, know, I do associate it with vomit leaving home. Oh, and, yeah. sadness. Still, I wish you'd change your mind if I ask you one more time. about when you said about 35 animators working on this film and then you talked about the wrong trousers and there was two of you. Oh, that's right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, there was about 200 on the crew this time. But that's a feature film. Wrong Trousers was a 30-minute film. But, yeah, things but have still. grown. <laughs> still, that's a lot of work. Yeah, there was two animators on that and then Close Shave had about eight animators. The crew was about 40. Amazing. Yeah, with the lighting and camera and editing, everything. Yeah. Feature films tend to grow and... Yeah, need more people. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that you worked on Sledgehammer? Oh, yeah. The Peter yes, Gabriel video. Yes, the whole studio did. One yeah. of the best videos ever made. It was iconic, wasn't it? So and iconic. The, yeah, I mean, we were the production company with another two production companies. We all joined together on it. Yeah, Peter Gabriel's director came to us. He'd just done the Talking Heads video. Yeah, Road to Road Nowhere. To nowhere yeah. And we were thinking, wow, that's great. We would really love to push animation techniques. And, yeah. And then next week, uh, Steve Johnson came to us. We'd really love you guys to do a video for Peter Gabriel. And um, I'd love it to be done like it's a 14-year-old has made it in their attic. That was the whole ethos behind it. And we were just, this is exactly what we're thinking of. And so it was like a gift, really. You could have 
What are your memories of filming of it? Lots of late nights. <laughs> and uh, how can we do this in a week? It was a big... <laughs> Uh, about a week and a half, I think it was. There were lots of ideas. Uh, Pete Lord had been talking to Peter Gabriel about it and Steve Johnson and sketching lots of ideas up. Came back to us and said, right, this is the plan. How do we do it? And it had to be thrown together really quick. And it was a, a technique that really hadn't been used much before. It was we animate real people. It's, it's known, I think, generally as pixelation. You film a, a real-life person, but they move like a stop-frame puppet, yeah. frame by frame. Mm -hmm. But every time they would move, we'd move objects around them. Yeah. And all clear out of frame, take the frame, come back in and move everything, including the person. In this case, Peter Gable. So we had train yeah. tracks going around his head. We had fish and fruit going into his ears and out the other ear. That was the effect it had. Yeah. He was needing a professional masseur to come in in between each shot. To He'd held his position for so, so long, long, he was really aching. You know. Was he lying down or was he sat up? He was different, different, different things at different, different times. times. Yeah, yeah. We had all different setups in the studio, yeah. um, where he was moving from one set to the other. You know, he'd do six hours on one set and then another six hours on another wow. set. And, um, <laughs> he was, he was a, he, we were trying to think of the fastest techniques we could think of. <laughs> you could knock it out, but it, in a way, it crossed over from. You'd see that sort of thing in festivals and art schools, but you'd never see it in a commercial video. So it kind of crossed over between fine art and commercials. And it was a, it was a sort of a, a cutting-edge video, wasn't it? stands the test of time, it really does. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to go and see him do the Soul Tour a couple of years ago and he played it and and, and you and you see the video in your head even when it's just the music playing. Mm. It's such an yeah. iconic yeah. piece, it really, really is. Yeah, I remember that at the time I was in a pub in London with a friend and at the time we'd have music videos, uh, video jukeboxes. Yeah. And uh, people just playing it all the time. <laughs> and uh, uh, we went, got a job in New York after that. There was a couple of us from Ardman went over to do this job in New York. And, and uh, people there were playing it all the time. It was number two in the MTV charts, I remember. At one point, we went in a bar and uh, this guy stopped the bar you know, after the video played. And he said, hey, you guys, these guys made that video. <laughs> <laughs> the whole bar stopped and gave us a big round of applause. Wow! <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you can yeah. keep the Oscars. That's the, <laughs> that's the moment. <laughs> What's next? What's yeah, the there's, a, there's a second Shaun the Sheep movie Great. in the works right now. And yeah, I haven't thought further about Early Man. It's been such a, a long road, you know, getting this far with it. You know, it's just taken up all my energy. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Real mm. pleasure to chat to it's you. It's a pleasure. And yeah, and, and congratulations on the film. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Nick. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
That's I Predict a Riot by Kaiser Chiefs, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Nick Park, in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. My huge thanks to Nick for taking the time to talk to us. Early Man is on general release now, with Harry Griggs and Williams' score available via Universal Music. Now you can link to a Spotify playlist for this show via edithbowman.com where you can also catch up with all of our previous episodes. These include a very special show with all five nominees for the EE Rising Star Award at the BAFTAs. So have a listen to that before voting for your favourite at ee.co.uk forward slash BAFTA. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. We love to hear from you. And do subscribe via your media provider of choice if you get a minute. Next up on Soundtracking, in partnership with the EE BAFTAs, we stay within the world of animation, but we head over to the realm of Pixar and the team behind the new worldwide hit Coco, director Lee Unkrich and producer Darla Anderson. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. 